from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. If you have a pew Bible at home, like we have here in our sanctuary, it's found on page 218. Otherwise, it's kind of toward the back of the New Testament. Listen for God's word as it comes to us today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little, while you have had to suffer various trials, <clears throat> so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second text is from the Gospel of John. The 20th chapter, verses 19 through 31. Continue to hear God's word to you and to me. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. 
Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day. And no matter where we find ourselves in this very hour, that you would speak to us with such clarity and such love and such challenge that we would be changed, even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ, It's in his name that we pray, amen. Well, for today's uh, sermon, this second Sunday of Easter, I'd like to reflect on the theme of resurrection resilience. The theme of resurrection resilience. If we're going to engage such a theme, I think we must begin, I think we must start in the first place by talking about, by highlighting the resilience of the resurrected Jesus to reveal himself to his friends and followers even in the darkest of times. Remember, the resurrected Jesus shows up to doubters shows up to disbelievers. He shows up to those who do not suspect resurrection. In the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John, and and all the disciples, including the one called Thomas, they all need to hear Jesus' voice. They all need to see him with their own eyes. They, They need to put their finger in the holes of his crucified body if they are going to believe. And Jesus is absolutely resilient in meeting them where they are. He keeps calling them by name. He keeps showing up. He keeps offering his resurrected body to them so that they may see and trust that he really is alive. As I was thinking about the determination and resilience of Jesus to reveal himself, to consistently show up in this late chapter of the Gospel of John, as I thought about his resilience to make himself known, even as the disciples were marred by fear, I thought about our community ministry staff I thought about our our core volunteers within our community ministries who are still serving in these days, reaching hundreds of some of our most vulnerable neighbors each week through mail service, through our uh, food pantry, through four meals, uh, Sunday through Wednesday. I'm absolutely awed by the resilience and willingness they have to show up day after day after day. That all grew even more in the early hours of this morning as our community ministries team helped make it possible for our campus to be a COVID-19 testing site. The CDC and Mercy Care Atlanta and, and Emory medical students and independent doctors were all here administering tests to our most vulnerable friends and neighbors and to those who serve them. Uh, one of these friends... 
a former Marine. His name is, is Mr. White. He is a regular at our Sunday morning breakfast. I got a chance to say hello to him briefly this morning. This past week, he recently shared with, with some of our team how he finds so much comfort in coming to First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta and, and seeing our church on the front lines. Our director, Tricia Pasuth, wrote to me in an email regarding his gratitude. She said that, that his statement confirmed for me more than ever how important it is to stay open, to keep serving, and to continue to be that comfort. For our friends who are experiencing homelessness, we are their family. And this church is their home. Friends, the resilience Jesus demonstrated in revealing himself to his early followers is one to which we want to bear witness as friends of Christ and, and followers of Christ. It's, it's a resilience that we desire in our own lives. It's a resilience that we seek to emulate. I'm so thankful for our community ministries team. I'm so thankful for our session and for its leadership decisions in these days. I'm thankful for all of those who have prayerfully supported, all of those who have financially supported second mile gifts in this season as we seek to provide comfort and protection and care to our friends in the safest way possible. You see, my goal this morning is not just to talk about the resilience of the Easter story itself or the resilience that Jesus demonstrates in revealing himself to his early friends and his early followers, but also to talk about the resilience Easter hope births in all of us, all of us who dare receive the benefits of Christ's resurrection. In last week's uh, Easter sermon, I named the promise that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of you, and it's, in the, and it's the same spirit that lives inside of me. So as we think about resurrection resilience this morning, I want us all to affirm that the reality of that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives and empowers us and encourages us toward resilience, that all of this, that that spirit is a gift to us. We did not create this resilience through self-determination, friends. Rather, this strength that we have in these days is a gift from God. It's a gift of grace. We, we could never earn it. We could never prove ourselves worthy enough to receive it. We can't manufacture it. We can't craft it. We cannot produce it ourselves. We can only receive the gift of this spirit. We can say thank you and allow it to work in and through us for our salvation and the salvation of the world. This gift of resurrection resilience is what keeps our church and our staff moving forward even in these difficult days. Of course, we are not the only community of faith moving forward. We aren't the first and we certainly won't be the last. So we turn our attention back to the words of First Peter, particularly I'm interested in verses six and seven of the first chapter where it reads this, 
in this, and the this that the writer is talking about here, the this in this sentence is this resurrection, resilience we receive as a gift of God's mercy. In this, you rejoice, even if now for a little while you've had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Friends, it is so very important to note that this gift of God's mercy comes not just to the Marys and the Peters and the Johns and the Thomases of the world. It also comes to those who have not literally seen the resurrected Christ with their own eyes, which of course includes all of us. First Peter 1.8 continues, although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. What is more, friends, this resurrection resilience is ours even when, maybe it's better said, especially when, as the text says, the authenticity of our faith is tested. Even in times of trial and uncertainty, even when suffering abounds. I read a powerful account of resurrection resilience this past week, and perhaps you read it too. It was written by Elizabeth Barber. It was published in the New Yorker magazine, and the article follows a New York City chaplain and native Georgian named Caitlin Butler. She is a chaplain at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. Talk about context where, where faith is tested and where trials and suffering abound. And yet it is precisely in that space and in spaces like it, that the mercy of God and the gift of resurrection resilience empower people like Chaplain Butler to be a bearer of God's presence and hope even in the darkest of hours. In these days, Butler is uh, doing ministry in ways she never would have imagined, having pastoral visits through closed ICU doors, FaceTime and, and phone calls with COVID-19 patients and their families. In one instance, Butler received a call from doctors about a man with the virus who was intubated and sedated, and they explained to her that he did not have very long to live. And the emotional challenge for this medical team and why they called the chaplain to come was that this man had no family of account, didn't have someone on a phone wanting to speak to him through a FaceTime or through a video call, he had absolutely no one. He was completely alone. And so Butler went to his floor and she stood outside of his room and peered through the, the glass ICU door that was shut. And she was determined in that moment that he would not die in this way. And so Butler put her hand on the glass and she began to sing she began to sing a tune that is familiar to so many of us. She began to sing the Irish blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of God's hand. 
On another occasion, one of the hospital's medical teams that solely focused on treating COVID-19 patients, they called on Butler to care for one of their nurses. A patient had suddenly died, and this nurse was completely distraught. In the article, it noted that Butler believes, and I believe this too, and I suspect that so many of you believe this as well, that healthcare workers are engaged in sacred work. They're engaged in sacred work. Theirs are the hands and the heart of God. Butler found this particular nurse. She was crying in a stairwell, and, and Butler sat down near her as both women were wearing masks over their mouths. And offering words of comfort, the chaplain named and identified and recognized the nurse's tears and attributed those tears to a great and abiding love that this nurse had for all of her patients. She claimed that the nurse's tears honored the man who had just died. The nurse then asked Butler a gut-wrenching question. Will God hold me responsible for this man's death? Point blank, through tears, the nurse asked, am I going to hell? Butler was deeply troubled by, by the question. Even so, the chaplain responded with the immovable strength of the truth. Her patient had died in a crisis that was bigger than her care. And then she offered the hurting nurse one more gift. She said to her, I and your team will know that truth for you. We will hold that truth for you as long as it takes until you are ready to receive the truth yourself. Friends, what a gift for someone going through a test. What a gift for someone going through a trial, going through the fire, to hold a truth for someone who is unable to hold it for themselves, to hold forgiveness, to hold acceptance, to hold love or gratitude or even grace for someone. What a gift this truly is. Friends, we've seen resilience. We, we've seen resurrection resilience in our community ministries. We've seen resurrection resilience in chaplains and in so many other places on the front lines where this pandemic is wreaking havoc. But we would be remiss if we did not allow ourselves to speak honestly and transparently about our own personal situation in all of this. The front lines are not just in hospital stairwells. They're not just at the, the corner of 16th and Peachtree. The front lines are in our homes. The front lines are, are in our isolation and in our loneliness. The front lines are the lack of safety some of us feel in our, in our houses and with the people that we live with. The front lines are in our mental and spiritual and political anxieties and fears. The front lines are in all of our losses in these days. 
all that we grieve and all the places where we're overwhelmed and feel as if any minute everything will come crashing down. There is a danger, brothers and sisters, in minimizing our personal times of testing to minimize our personal experiences of uncertainty and suffering, comparing them to what medical professionals are dealing with or what hospital chaplains are dealing with or what our community ministries team is dealing with. But keep this in mind. We can name uh, the times of trial that others are experiencing. We can name those. And at the same time, we can be honest about our situation. We can be honest about our pain. We can be honest about what we are facing in this hour. I've heard it a million times from people. I'm fine. Everything is fine. Everything is okay. Well, it's not okay. Everything is not fine. All of us are in our own unique ways and in our own circumstances. We're all facing a time of testing. We're all facing, rather, a time of, of trial, of uncertainty. We're all experiencing some measure of suffering. And this means that our hearts and our souls, friends, are fertile ground for resurrection resilience to be born and to grow in us. It's only when we acknowledge that the ground is fertile, when we acknowledge that this is a time of testing, are we then open for the Spirit to come alive afresh and new in us and give us the resurrection resilience we so desperately need because we're all facing the front lines. I received a very touching email yesterday afternoon from one of our members. He is a, a single dad with an elementary age son, and his original plans for Easter were to have them travel to North Carolina to be with his widowed 88-year-old mother. She's pretty much isolated uh, during this time, trying to take one day at a time. And last Sunday, Easter Sunday, as the 11 o'clock hour drew near, the man and his son turned on the TV, they pulled up YouTube, and joined, and were ready, rather, to join uh, in Easter worship. And right before we, we went live, uh, it dawned on him. He thought, I, I should invite my mom to participate in worship with us this morning. He thought, we should celebrate Easter together. As best as we can, we, we should participate together, share in the message, share in the hope together. The only problem is that she is not very good with technology. He did say that she has an iPhone and that she's able to work at least one feature, one app on that iPhone, that she can work FaceTime. And so they video called her and were ready to, to put the camera toward the TV so that they could participate in Easter worship together. And as she picked up the video call, my friend and his son quickly realized that she was actually at the cemetery. She was visiting the grave of her late husband, the father and grandfather of my friend and his son, 
who they affectionately called Pop. She found a comfortable place in the cemetery to sit. And they shared in the audacious and unrelenting message of hope that God has defeated sin, that God has defeated fear, that God has defeated even death itself in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they shared in worship together. It'll be an Easter they will never forget. Friends, allow me to suggest that this story is a story of resurrection resilience. As a widow in a cemetery, as a single parent, as a child who's trying to do online learning, as a family that cannot be together, these are the stories from the front lines. These are times of trial. These are times of uncertainty. These are times of suffering, and yet... It's also the time where God's Easter mercy meets us, where Easter hope gives us what we need to be resilient in these days. Friends, resurrection resilience is a gift from God. It's a gift. It's a gift that gives testimony to the resilience of the resurrected Christ to show up in our lives, even in the darkest of days. It's a gift that empowers us and equips us to pray and to bless and to sing and to empathize and to house and to become family for somebody else and to serve and to grieve and to forgive and to reconcile and to sacrificially share money and resources and to have hope even in times of testing, even in times of trial. Even in times of uncertainty and suffering, friends, what I'm saying, even in our time. May we receive this gift. May we receive this spirit. And may we receive the outcome of our faith, which is our salvation, which is our courage, which is our wholeness, which is our rebirth. May it be so in us and on our front lines. Amen. Yeah.